1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, and welcome to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. Scholarly communication is an open and ongoing conversation about how communication does knowledge. The premise of the podcast is this Communicating is not a transferring, as if knowledge might be vacuum sealed and delivered, totally conserved, brain to brain. No, the premise of the podcast is that. Research communication is a place in time where people meet to represent and to recreate the things they claim to know. Communication is meaning, as knowledge is too. And meaning is not something we send to receive, it is something we make. I am your host, Daniel Shea. I invite you to listen to authors and reviewers, to editors and managers, as well as to scholars of communication and professionals in communication, all talking about how it is that the written word makes known the real world. My guest today is Cristiano Matricardi, Senior Editor at Nature Communications. A PhD in material science from the Autonomous University of Barcelona, Cristiano has worked as Assistant Editor for MDPI. Today at Nature Communications, Cristiano primarily handles manuscripts in the areas of topological photonics, nonlinear optics, and lasing. His recent Nature Masterclass was on how to assess primary research in a selective journal. So let's begin today's episode, Cristiano Matricati on scholarly communication. Hi, Cristiano, welcome to the program. Hi, Daniel, thank you for having me here today. One of the many interesting things about you is that you are also a podcast host. (laughs) So so, um, I think as a, let's say, sort of fellow colleague, some shop talk, maybe you could tell us uh, what it is that your podcast is about and why you decided to uh, start it and what your, your goal is in doing it.
0: But first of all, I'm actually a lover of podcasts and I love to speak to a microphone and I love to communicate science. So this actually was my motivation to start a podcast. I've been doing podcasts for myself in my, my private life since like five, seven years. So uh, as soon as I started on Nature Communications, I met Ankita Nirban from Nature Review Physics. She was doing a uh, blog post called On Your Web Length. Uh, it was kind of a behind the scene of a paper published in the Nature Portfolio. And we decided to create an audio version with an interview to authors and editors. So getting the perspective, getting the story behind on how some idea actually spurred from, from discussion, you know, and also uh, the vision from the editors because that also that also it is really it is really important to understand the editorial lines of a specific journal and we actually we will go into this deeper into this topic deeper probably in our conversation today
1: yes most certainly uh, but sticking with the podcast uh, it's it's very interesting because there's a lot of overlap i mean my listeners will know that i've had plenty of editors uh, you're a perfect example and researchers on this program speaking to them precisely about that how how is it that you not only just came up with the idea, my my particular focus is how is it that you then turn that into an impactful paper? Um, What would you say in in your own podcast has been some of the insights that you've been able to gain, maybe also even because of the format of just the
0: online discussion as we have here? I mean, the insights, I mean, um, I'm, always really curious about how some idea actually starts because you see results you read really beautiful results really beautiful impactful you 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 could say someone could say results and you say how did they come out come out with this idea and then at some point you say just in that podcast we will actually explain you how the authors come up with that idea and you can you can actually at the end see that it's a mix of uh, serendipity uh, um constant uh, you know just uh, um some uh, genius uh, um uh idea that just came out after a project has been on the shelf for I think 15 years, and then just you take out it. it you take the, You take it out of the shelf, and then just you say, "Okay, ah, yeah, we can do this and this and that." And a splendid nature photonics paper comes up. You know, just the the process on how uh, a really great impactful science grow and and, and is created is con- is conceived. Let's say this is one of the most important thing that I love to to hear from my from my guests it's it's been my mission in in a
1: very similar vein um you seem in your podcast more to be on the inception or conception side i'm i'm perhaps a bit more on the end of the communication and the the reach of the idea side but there's obviously a lot of crossover there but it's been my experience in in doing this and part of my mission and to do it to open out to in particular uh, early career researchers but researchers of, of all stages of their career the processes that everyone's going through. I mean, very many of the challenges I imagine that people face when they're you know, in the difficulties of a research question or they're in the throes of trying to put together a paper that just won't get put together is the lack of transparency. They don't realize that two rooms down, the same thing is going on and halfway across the globe, the same thing is going on. Um,
0: does Does that seem to line up with your experience as well? I mean, the lack of transparency—it's it's an issue. But just we are trying to, uh, as editors and also uh, uh, expert in communication, we're trying to get is, this. We, we, we're trying to get rid of this lack of transparency because, of course, I uh, I feel that if you know uh, exactly what has been done, what some peers as or some colleague from not not just down uh, two story below you, but just maybe in the other part of the world is doing it and just you can actually access to all of this knowledge just so open knowledge uh, rather than open science you know just opening the knowledge to everyone to create to to let everyone can create new things uh, uh create new science this is uh this is this is important of course we are not yet there but we can actually, uh, we are working uh, of it. And so just, yeah, the all of the issue of transparency is indeed a, a really good issue. And just we, as editors and also science communicators, we are working on it. Maybe to put you now then on the,
1: to move on uh, topics, uh, on the other side of the table, you're more used to perhaps uh, on your podcasts to interviewing these people. But here you are as a editor yourself at nature communications with the level of experience and all the anecdotes and all the all the background knowledge to to perform your job to uh, the level that it needs to be performed at a prestige uh, journal just like uh, the nature portfolio journal that you're in so with that in mind what is it that let's say you could tell us that would open out to authors who are um submitting to nature Communications, some of the things that they probably aren't seeing behind the doors that they don't realize how the editor's life is what would you imagine would be some of those moments that would
0: perhaps be blind spots for most authors i mean every time you need to decide where to publish i don't know if I, if 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 you want to go here but just every time you need to uh... You need to decide, every author needs to decide what to publish. It's, it's it's difficult because you don't know how is the editor uh, actually uh, creating, if the editor is creating uh, um, a, a really tight bar on this topic or not. Or uh, and, and there's many, many variables. And so, of course, it's kind of also uh, uh, a feeling. Okay, let's try this journal. Let's try the other journal. One thing I can actually give as a suggestion to the uh, authors is like to be self critics uh, to, to just criticize uh, in first person they work and try to ask their de- ask themselves questions like if they were uh, um, assessing that paper and actually one thing I learned when I when I started this job it was um, I, I tell I tell you the story I, I started I I started this job in 20 uh, 2021 and after one week I started um there was this welcome pack so and so welcome pack digital you know uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, guidelines and everything and there were a, a PDF called how to assess uh, primary research and I was wow I was uh, starting in a, in in a nature portfolio i was uh coming from uh, from a phd so from the research so just you see this you see this uh, this uh pdf and then just you, you open it and just yeah i have the power and then you open it and i'm not joking there are four pages full of questions you know and and i i mean i was i was kind of disappointed because of course you you are not telling me how do I how do I have to, which are the top, which are the parameters I have to, uh, um, I have to consider. No, you make, you actually ask me questions and the core uh, um, aspect of this work is actually asking yourself the right question in the right moment. And if you, the more you get experience with this process, the more you're able to ask the right questions to assess the right aspects. Of a manuscript so this is this is my from my experience how how it is to to work inside a, a, a selective journal and so i would transfer i would like to transfer this kind of concept to the to the authors you know before submitting to something to some journal just ask you a question try to understand which kind of questions are important or try to speak with the authors, try to go to conferences and speak to the author, to, to the editor, sorry, and understand how they think, which are the questions they ask themselves to assess a paper and so on and so forth. We can actually go to uh, through this uh, afterward if you want.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, but th- this, this is fantastic. I mean, this idea that it's about asking questions and asking the right questions. I mean, could you imagine there as a sort of mediary, a network of, of co-researchers, people who are either in the same institute or group or just other, let's say, former collaborators in, in a wider network serving also an author in this role. Because I, I think one of the harder points for an author to be self-critical in this respect is, is to just not hit upon the question. I mean, when you're deep inside your own topic, it, it, so much is just too obvious, isn't it?
0: Yeah it is it is it, it, it here you actually touched a a really important point when you're an author when you're a researcher you're really focused on your on your uh, um on your niche so just you are uh, you're really expert on how to create solid uh, um scientific connection from your work and your next results but this is uh, is like uh, looking at you know a really huge uh, paint and uh imagine an editor uh, uh, editors are the people who look at the really big Huge painting, you know, just the big picture, and the and the authors are the one are actually doing the f- refining, the, the the small stuff, just the the small details in this painting. Imagine a painting like three meters for, for two meters. An editor is like the one who stands in the in in the room and then look at the big picture and try to unnot conceptual uh, problems, to put them in a in a line in in, in a mostly linear. Uh, reasoning and try to find a decision and here it comes the uh, uh, the work of the editor you know just looking at the big picture asking the asking them the right questions in order to understand the uh, uh, advantages or if we want to say the impact uh, uh, of this of this paper but just behind the word impact there's a lot of there's a lot to do there's a lot to say, in my opinion well that's a wonderful image
1: there of of the you know the picture in the gallery and and where where the two different parties happen to be standing um you You've brought up the idea of impact which which i I certainly want to pursue with you, but maybe just to stick a little bit more with this idea of okay, so how is it that I go through my own work with eyes that are going to actually give it the form it needs so that it ends up at the right venue at the right journal and in the right editor's hands with the right perspective on it. So, I mean, this, this is a, let's say, a long translation process, isn't it? Because it's, it's, not, it's not the way that you would write the material yourself if you were just writing it for yourself, so to speak
0: i mean you don't have you don't need to know as an author where do you have to submit your paper the uh, the, the thing is you only need to uh, work for creating a solid base solid ground for science for good good science to flourish so just you have to be uh, uh, worried to create a, a solid connection not uh, speculation not too much speculation on on possibility to you know just to be useful for X, Y, Z application or whatever, you know, this is the, the, the important part. And then, and then, for example, when you said, uh, a platform, let's say, just if, if I can imagine a platform where, uh, um, authors can, can share this kind of questions, because of course you are so focused, too focused in a, in a precise topic, there should be some platform. There are some platform, open, open science, like archive or, or, or other, um, uh, online repository that just can actually like help you to uh, um to uh you know share your work before you know just it's actually uh officially published in a peer review journal but i think the uh the, the platform should step one step behind you know just uh, before and you have to start sharing your knowledge in the moment in which you create this knowledge in the moment in which you uh, in which you are, are actually creating uh, uh solving some problems and for me a good science a good scientist is the scientist who actually wakes up in the morning goes to the lab or goes to the, uh, their office and try to solve Problems, scientific problems with scientific thinking, with the sci with, with the scientific method, and whether they are actually discovering, you know, uh, uh, the duality of the of the light, wave uh, wave particle duality of light, or just an incremental, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, development, it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know. Just if you are a good scientist, you are actually uh um, creating this kind of uh uh good substrate for for science to just to develop in an organic way so uh imagine a platform where you share everything and then just you can uh, you can uh in, interact with your peers in this way you can also have different visions on your work and how to uh, proceed with your work and how to questions whether you are doing the right things or whether you can be critical with your work this is how i think that could be actually be done i don't think that there's some such a platform right now because of course coping policy and everything like this but yeah in an ideal world the uh sharing of knowledge should be done not at the end, not when it's uh, already in a form of paper, but when it's when it's at the at the lab book level, you know, uh, there's this PhD with this with her, with the lab book with her lab book, and then uh, she is actually pointing out. And at that level, we need to share knowledge. it's a little bit utopistic view, probably, but just in my opinion, it's how actually we can create a, a, an organic growth of science.
1: Well that um <laughs> that 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 really marries the communication to the research content in a very close way if I'm not misunderstanding you I mean because what I hear is that I mean you want to be sharing the knowledge while creating it, so you want to have this sort of low level on the ground sort of network available to you. You want to perhaps use a preprint type uh, platform, the sorts that are available. Archive is a great example. And then at some point, of course, you want to properly have the work published when it's ready to be published. So, I mean, we almost have a three tiered process here of
0: constant communication as the knowledge is being discovered. Exactly. Exactly, and in this process, this process will actually help you to understand, to question yourself more time. Because you, it's like you go to conference every day. You know, when you go to conference as a scientist, you share your um unpublished work or some just work that is it's going on. You know, just and you you meet with this with, with your colleague and you discuss this work. You discuss about some problems. It's like being a conference every day. And how could, how how useful could be something like this? Of course in person conference we are human we are human being until we are actually uh, transforming in 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 robots and everything we we need a uh, uh, physical uh, uh, interaction but uh, imagine if you can actually bring this kind of feeling of being constructive as in a conference in the everyday life in the lab in in, in the office and everything this could be actually really useful also to open your view and asking again the right questions to assess your paper, your paper, your work, because it's not yet a
1: paper. Circling back to uh, our opening, <laughs> where we were talking about the podcast, I mean, what you're speaking to right now is is at the heart of uh, the mission of this podcast. And that is, again, this idea of transparency. And, and what you're opening up, I hear, is particularly to early career researchers and even perhaps graduate students who have not necessarily discovered that social side to science that you've just um, laid out there for us, telling telling us, as you have in your own words, that, hey, your ideas in the communication are going to be turning into knowledge. Hey, you're going to understand better what it is that you're doing when you're able to say what it is that you're doing also to other people, maybe even people
0: who aren't, you know, tight inside of your co-author group or research group. So... Um... In my opinion, of course, uh, this kind of uh, uh, the aspect of communication will be uh, central and it will be even more central in the coming years because uh, generations are going to change. Of course, when you go right now to, uh, to, to conferences or just to your community, you have uh, a big part of the community who have... Uh, who had a different experience with uh, the communication in the digital area? Imagine in fifteen years, uh, most of the workforce from thirty years old ahead will be uh, fully digital, native digital, gen Z and known world. and for that generation will be essential, will be actually central to digital communications to uh, um create communities around uh, a specific topic. So if now it's important in the coming year will be central in my opinion. Well that's 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 a useful look into the future into the near future
1: in fact. Um we we've we've touched on many of the different let's say conceptual aspects of your work. Maybe we should delve into a few of the details of your work at Nature Communications as an editor. Um you are a sort of mediator, but also decision maker at the same time. You you work between the reviewers, other editors, and the authors. So I'd be interested to understand your relations on all of these different sides and, and, and what it is that you're looking, maybe, maybe describe the relations when they're working well and when they're not working so well, because th- that's a useful guide for people as they either review for Nature Communications or submit to Nature Communications
0: yeah um, i mean editors are actually um in the middle you know uh in in the process in the middle between editors and auth- uh, we between uh, authors and and reviewers uh but i won't say that just we are just managers of of reviewers and and uh and authors uh actually uh editors uh i would i would specify at some selective journal they are uh, more uh, content curators so um you become an editor you 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 feel that you are an editor after after a while after you've been through several cases through several examples of papers through several assessments many assessments of paper of, uh, of review reports of difficult cases in which You struggle to get a decision, and being an editor is like having this sensibility to uh, look at the big picture and grow organically the content of the journal in a consistent way. You know, when you open the page of Nature Physics, Nature Photonics, the reader expect and feel that there's an editorial selection, and this editorial selection, it's not because of casuality you know just it's not it's not because of you know uh, you you have some formula and you do one plus one and then just you 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 know whether you uh, have to send that paper to peer review or not because there's an editor behind who with their work with their thinking with also their sensibility they go to conference they see a topic that is growing they want to grow this topic in the journal and they maybe just are more lenient with the bar and the journal so just you decide and you can actually create and serve the community, spot where the community is working and where the community is uh, pointing and help the community to share their knowledge in a proper way and to share the important knowledges that are actually uh, uh, um, being important for the community in that precise uh, uh, moment of time. So uh, this is how I perceive my, my work as an editor. It's not like, uh, managing the, um, submission, um, talking with the authors, talking with the other, the reviewers. And so, Mo- m- you know, just probably 80% of my time. It's like managing peer review, uh, and managing assessment, primary assessment of paper. Uh, um, so the thing is I receive the paper, I decide whether to send out to peer review and then we look for reviewers and we, we spend a lot of time looking for reviewers because of course we we need to trust them and this is something that people maybe don't understand but just we do spend a lot of time looking reviewers checking conflict of interest and this is one of the things why in my opinion open peer review in in platforms you know completely open platform it's uh ill defined i mean i would say because it's uh, there will be No uh, administrators who check if there's conflict of interest. Uh, Maybe you can have AI then you that can check the conflict of interest, but this is another story. It's completely another story. So uh, we there's many difficult situations. So you you need you need to uh, manage all of the all of the process. You need to take a decision. You need to read the reports. For example, when the reports come back to you, you need to read the reports. You need to you need to. make a summary and then going to your primary assessment, because before sending to review we write more or less one page of assessment. And we decide and we write exactly every single reason why we want to send that paper to review. Oh this is not really novel. Yeah. But there's a but. But of course they they do they do have really great Uh, performances with this material that has been around since like 20 years and no one has uh, been able to use it because of some issues and problems. They solve this issue and they make make these materials useful for this application. Maybe there are other applications, but this kind of leap actually maybe let us send out to review uh, this paper. And then when we receive the review reports, we need to in a match we need to overlap the review reports and our decisions if we already decided to overrule novelty novelty concerns novelty concerns coming from the reviewers unless they are really really hard we already decided to overrule novelty uh issues because we are interested in other aspects so this is to say that uh, um sorry if i'm going too long this is to say that uh, assessing primary research and assessing peer review is not uh, actually straightforward two plus, uh, you know, just a a vote counting, you know, uh, two thumbs up, one down, uh, uh, accepted, the other way around, rejected. It's not not like this. That's a conceptual understanding of the review, the reports, and then a line of reasoning that leads to a And and that's that's really lucid,
1: the the
0: picture there that you give us. I mean, A...
1: We have the editor, just like yourself, who, as you say, is, 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 is sort of designing a journal, right? With thematic um, points of interest, uh, looking to serve different communities and really, you know, concerned about the content that's there. Certainly not just a mediary. However, that person is also turning out to experts out there in the field and expending, as you say, the majority of his or her time looking to find the right people and also looking to judge correctly what it is that that feedback is that they get from those people. So, I mean, uh, this is perhaps also one further example of how tied the communication is or the forming of communities are to the research itself, right? I mean, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Completely. Completely. I but uh, re- let, let, let's unpack this relation and this work together with the reviewers a bit, because also, you know, um, uh, some of my uh, listeners will also be reviewers and and every one of my listeners who's a scientist will be thinking about reviewers because, I mean, the reviewer is always, you know, the peer review process is, is part of the publication of science. So understanding how reviewers think and what they're supposed to be doing and what they are looking at is, is key. From your editorial perspective, what is it that, you know, is a well-functioning relation with a reviewer? Like, for example, what is it that you want to see and wear
0: inside of the reviewer report? I mean, I always choose reviewers depending on my primary assessment. If I want to check the uh, technical uh, or scientific soundness and... I'm actually trying to find reviewers that are more onto technical uh, 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 topics. You know, just, for example, I won't choose a really experienced uh, PI with a big group because probably they can actually give me, rather than, you know, just the technicality, uh, they can give me the vision of, 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 you know, just the... uh, outlooks of the paper of the of the results and if i want to check the technicality i would better go to a early career scientist to a postdoc uh um, of course every reviewer that i actually contact for nature communication is at least a phd so they are postdocs and onward uh, best if they are already associate professor and something but just depending on which kind of aspect i want to assess on the paper uh, i decide which kind of reviewer a reviewer i need and uh i would say that um, to be a good reviewer you need to show in my opinion uh you need to try to uh, um give the uh editor the tools you know just the information to take the decision not actually taking the decision I'm, you know just i I'm, a, I'm actually not considering reviewers that say okay this paper can be accepted for Nature Communications because if it, it if it can be accepted if it if it suits Nature Communications editorially, it's on the editors and not on the editorial team. With reviewers, we want to check uh, technical soundness, uh, if they if there are some flaws in their in in their conceptual uh, um, uh, design, uh, if there are novelty issues with which is also on the editors, this kind of uh, uh this kind of assessment. You know, I want to know this kind these kind of uh uh aspects and a good reviewers is someone who give the right uh uh tools, you know just to, to the editors, you know, uh something that just yeah, I like this work and that's it. I don't this this is this is a review Reports really not informative. Explaining why, you know, ex- you need to explain to the editors why you like this work. You need to explain the editor why you think this. Uh, there's some flow in the technical or in the scientific thinking, because of course we we need to we need to base our rational on this explanation. So most of the reviewers actually that I don't like, uh, uh, they gave their own opinion without actually explaining why and we uh, that th- th- those reports are completely use useless and this is this is why sometimes we we need to uh, uh, you know just delay the decision because we need to uh, find other reviewers or uh, you know just decide to overrule some uh, some some issues you know just it's not a black and white decision, and of course, explaining why every time you know every claim you you do, you have to explain you have to explain why, and this would be really useful this, for the this editors. This is exactly the sort of thing that um, this
1: podcast is here for 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 that sort of information because it makes obvious you know what is the best way as a reviewer to spend your time. I mean, one of the worst things you could do as a reviewer would be to uh, you know, offer to, uh, you or any other journal, you know, opinions without actually explaining why, as you've just said, and then you might as well not have written the review, right? I mean, you as an editor can't really use it. So, I mean, a lot of time has been wasted. Science has been delayed in this particular question and so on. Um, so uh, that, that's, a, that's great. That's, that's really helpful. maybe, may, uh, or do you have a comment there, please? Yes.
0: Yes. So, um in uh, in in this regard for example in h communications for example for uh, reviewers that are not actually experienced we have a project that the, that it actually al- allow uh, early career scientists to get into the review uh, uh, to, to get reviewer uh, experience uh, with the help of a mentor so we select some reviewers for example i have few um, uh, early career scientists that have never done some have uh, never reviewed for nature communication and on top of the normal reviewers i add also them just to the uh, uh, to, to the reviewer pool they will actually perform a review together with a mentor i will receive these review reports and decide whether to use that those review report uh, reports or not and i will give feedback on the review reports as editors so you can you know maybe add something more in this aspect you can actually not lose time in this other aspect because it's not super important you know just an initial communication we have this uh early career scientist uh, early career researchers reviewer program uh that i can actually send you uh, the link and i just you can probably put that in into the description. Yes, of for the, sure. Of the that podcast. will go into
1: the uh, show notes for uh, listeners who are interested. In, and, and that provides actually a wonderful segue also into another topic that we certainly wanted to touch upon. And, and within this sort of training uh, sphere that's offered by the Nature Portfolio, you've also done some work that has pertained to the question of impact in science, which is Obviously, going to be something that's on everyone's mind, and I would imagine on pretty much every author's mind. I mean, impact is probably something that everyone out there is chasing. But I'm going to imagine that impact is to science what happiness is to life. I mean, we all want it, but none of us can really very sharply define what exactly it is.
0: Um, does does that about ring true? You nailed it. You know, just this, you know. Uh... It's it's a real really um, unclear word, and I I've I've been using it I've been using it a lot of time. Uh, um, I'm actually uh, I have a good story about impact when when I started and also when I started as an editor Nature Communications. As I said, we write this kind of uh, notes we call circulations um and we share these notes with our colleagues in our team uh especially during the training time you share with your team manager and another senior editor they can they come back to you with loads of questions and just you know just it's a really tough process to, the, the uh the, the first months uh in training for an editor editorial nature uh portfolio so uh i was right i was writing you know just my circulation every time and i was oh yeah this work in to my opinion uh in my opinion doesn't have a lot of impact uh in this field blah 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 and my team manager lena i remember and she 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 uh, you know uh, she was really really uh, uh hard on this point you know just she said Never, never use the word impact, you know, just I don't like it, you know, just not never use it, but just she said, "I don't like it because of course it's too bug, you know, just you can't you can't define impact so instead of instead of hiding yourself behind this word, try to unfold this word and your reasoning behind why you think this word th- this work has no impact, and here it comes, the world discussion we had. You know, with impact, we can actually we have this box, and we we can simplify, oversimplify the things, without actually asking ourselves questions. Say, just yeah, this word is impactful, but for what? For who? We, at which level is this? Uh, to which level is impactful? You know, there's many, many different meanings of of impact. Of course, when you when we assess a paper, we we look at several factors. You know. Uh, First of all, the general significance of of the work. Also, the technical advances, uh, the conceptual breakthrough. uh, Also, the editorial relevance, really important uh, in some topic. And all of these aspects are assessed simultaneously. And we need to create this matrix and we need to find uh, the, the answer. But if we put the word impact on top, we don't see all of these aspects, and so we need to get rid to the word, from the word impact and go deep inside into the into the assessment so this is what we do and we, in my opinion what actually uh, it's uh, it's it's impact for me why I, why i said this word is a little bit tricky yes, for to sure. use and i mean the the way you've unpacked it unfolded
1: it for us just now we see that you know it has these various aspects to it i mean it's got this significance this advance this relevance this breakthrough idea um and you know just these two syllables impact Kind of you know, cover over all of all of that busyness going on underneath it and and yet today, there are not fewer but more measures of impact out there. Um, you know, the impact factor which is prevalent throughout all the entire journal landscape is is just one of so many now. I mean, we've even ended up now with altmetrics and and, and, and whatever it might be, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that again and again, the attempt is made to put a number to measure somehow the impact that's here. That, that seems to go a bit against the grain of, of the, let's say, more complex view that you're talking
0: about. Yeah, uh, I mean, every time you put a number, every time you, you, you measure with a number, you're losing something. This is this is life. We we cannot we we cannot do much about it, you know. Uh, uh, but in this precise field, it's like having only, for example, the impact factor to define whether something is uh, high quality or not. It's a little bit reductive, especially uh, because in my vision. Um, the uh the value of uh, of of some content it's also defined by the uh, by the by the content itself you know just by the content curation so the value of my work as an editor, is not only defined by the by the impact factor, but also by the emotion, by the the feeling that the, that the readers have when they read and when they when they go to my uh, to my journal and find works that can spur something in their mind, even though just they don't they don't cite that, and so the impact factor doesn't doesn't um, doesn't grow. But if I can actually create interest in this in uh, in the readers, I have my sort of impact but it's, it's not measurable so science of science is those this measurement so just study how you know just start to uh, you know just evaluate science is, is good it's really good because of course you have great kpis uh treating science like a like a company you know and uh, you 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 can actually evaluate precisely and straightforwardly the uh, uh uh, you know, just let's say the impact of just the usefulness or whatever of, of a journal, of our, of our research. But then it falls very, very short in evaluating, fairly evaluating the value of the science itself and the scientists behind. And this is what actually we need, uh, how we need to restructure and rethink in the, the way we evaluate science and scientists. Um, I would like to, uh, to highlight two things that are actually happening right now. Um, the first one chronologically, it's for example, the Norwegian, uh, career assessment matrix, uh, tool. Um, basically it's a, t- it's a, a tool that just the universities, Norwegian, Norwegian university are right now using to assess, uh, um, researchers and research science uh moving away from metric based uh, uh you know just assessment the same thing is doing the Coara agreement uh, from the Euro- european union uh it's been launched in july 2022 if i'm not wrong and until jul- until july 2027 uh it will be collecting sign uh, you know just uh institution who will you know just sign this document so it's kind of the that, there's a will to shift the uh, uh away from the metric based and 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 uh, uh, the metric based impact measurement so um i think this is the way to go of course it's difficult because it's easy to rely on, on easy number but we need to we need to uh, disentangle uh, the value of them, you know, and this should start from the researchers themselves, researchers themselves and, and, and also, That's a good point about the the researchers themselves. And it's actually a point that's
1: made by um, scholars of science of science again and again, that, you know, the system of science is a social institution and therefore a product of the people who make up that institution. And the majority of those people are scientists. It's also true, though, that, as you say, there is an incentivization to look at measures when your career depends upon those measures. so we're dealing with also a, tight, a slightly skewed system. So these sorts of agreements that you're talking about um, or changes in assessment are interesting. They're opportunities, clearly, for individuals to be able to perhaps uh, think impact differently or to get rid of impact all together as as a sort of yeah, guiding measure, if you like, of what it is that they're doing. Um, you did mention, though, the word back there conceptual impact which makes me think that there's a side to impact at least in your understanding which which doesn't fit nicely in a number is is did i understand that right is is there
0: also another sort of impact that you can that you imagine yeah exactly this is what i was i wanted to go you know because of course you can actually measure the impact as as a number but you can actually also uh, um measured impact as as a, as a concept I, mean, I will bring an example imagine that you read some results and you know uh, you 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 emphasize just you understand the connection uh, that the authors made to reach the conclusions and they are really interesting and the day after when you go into the lab you concretely use those knowledge to change something to have impact on your work even though just not hard, not, not, not you know, just not completely game changing, but they are useful for you. And in this case, I would say if the work is done in a proper way and you can reproduce the work and you can use those knowledge, for me, that's conceptual impact is not measurable. It's really hard to measure this kind of stuff. You know, because, of course, there's no number that says, uh, you, of course, you've been used, you've you been able to reproduce my work and to use it, the, to use this work in your, in your daily work, in your daily uh, uh, experiments. And, and I'm actually, uh, um, I'm actually focusing on this aspect when I, when I, uh, when I talk about conceptual impact. So, uh, Another thing is uh, what are important concepts, for example, to measure, you know, Uh, and this also depends because, of course, um, imagine now that you have, uh, we have several levels, for example, we have the basic level of science and here the concepts are really, really uh, uh, strictly uh, related to precise topics or subtopics, you know, and of course this impactful concept are those from the examples i already told you you know just you go to the lab and you, you can actually uh, uh, you can actually use those knowledge in your daily work but then let's add another level of complexity let's add a, uh, a, a the, the science uh, that is done and that is can be impactful for an entire field so just the entire physics field the entire chemistry field, the entire biology field, whatever. So at this level, the um, innovative aspects start to play um, a role. So just some some novelty should be inside the the, the, the concept of, of of conceptual impact. While before we didn't want novelty because it, it was useful, it was good, it was impactful only. If it was useful the day after in your in your experiments, but now that has to be useful for an entire field. Now there should be some aspect of novelty because the, the things have to be a little bit more conceptual, not not straightforwardly transferable to an experiment or a simulation. So. Um, this is kind of uh uh, this this is important and it brings us to the to the to the third level of complexity which is the science across different fields and when we have all of the fields you know physics chemistry some some works that actually works that actually expand you know just have impacts in many branches in many different fields here the novelty is the most important thing It should be the first time someone actually achieve uh, 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 really important results that can actually branch in few years, of course. It's even more conceptual. The impact is not transferable to experiments in the lab, like the level A, let's say. And so do you see that if if we look at different levels, we have different concepts? We we uh, the the measurable. Let's say it's different. If we if if we want to define a measurable, we can't if we don't define also where we are measured. Yes, for sure. Sympathy. I mean, these
1: these these levels oh, is is
0: a wonderful way of thinking
1: about it. it. It makes me think also of the levels of organization in nature. You know, if you take Newtonian physics um, and you're working above atoms, it's it's great. You know, <laughs> you can land, you can land, uh, you know, satellites out on moons and so on. But if you delve inside of uh, the nucleus, it's not working anymore. Right. And, and, and that is kind of what I'm understanding when I hear you talk about these different levels. I mean, from the one paper to the next, from the one project to the next inside of these experiments, hey, there you've got one sort of impact. You've got other impacts when you go from sub-disciplines or up to the field level. And then you also end up at the entire scientific level um what i also see mirrored there is the sort of journal or venue you would choose for your work because if if the system is if the publication system is working right it would offer all of these impacts their own place their own home
0: exactly exactly but just you said they were they will offer all of this uh, different levels of impacts but there is the word impact so just if the word is well done it doesn't matter if if it's level a or level c you know you, you know what I mean you know uh, it, it the, the quality you know just it is the it's, it's not like if I have uh, uh, if i publish for the entire uh, science or if I publish only for my small community I I uh, I have more value, you know, just if I publish for the entire science. No, it's you still have impact and you can still have great venues to publish your work. So it's not important where you publish. It's important how the work is carried on. Yeah, no, you know? that's
1: that's very clear. Um, I, you know, uh, as we were talking in the run up uh, to our interview here and we spoke about impact, um Another thing that occurred to me was the idea that, um, particularly for early career researchers, the, just the publication itself is already a major hurdle. You know, the first couple of papers that somebody gets under their belt, it's like the acceptance itself is, is already a huge success. And, and, and that is clearly understandable, but it's a mentality that is, is not sustainable. Because when I heard impact and we started talking in preparation for the interview, I started thinking, OK, well, what's the difference between publication and citation? Now, of course, citation is one of these metrics is things that is, is used very commonly in science of science. But but the notion behind citation as uptake in the community as, hey, I've used your work, or this makes sense to me, and I'm going to further expand it, or even negative citation where this is wrong. And because you published that, I I understand how it's wrong. And that's important for all of us. So in other words, that involves a different sort of communication, I believe, right? Just getting over the hurdle of getting published is one thing. Actually sustaining a longer conversation inside of the community is, I imagine, something else,
0: yeah I'm I'm actually completely agree with what you, with what you said and of course um the struggle for early career scientists to get published and then just see your, their work to be cited because of course I also I've also been a PhD and I I I published few papers and I was super happy when I saw citations going up you know and you know and you have this feeling oh wow I i'm a good scientist you know i i i know how to do science and then just and then the thing that actually let um uh, opened my eye kind of was i stopped um i stopped um, my career in 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 research and uh, i'm actually in the two years after my I stopped, I kept growing much more in citations than when I was doing my PhD, which kind of, you know, just for someone who doesn't know me, say someone could say, oh, wow, Cristiano in 2022, when I was already an editor, received a lot of citations. So he should have been really productive but it was not you know it was not actually so this kind of delay this kind of uh, um, uh, intrinsic exponential behavior of 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 the uh, the h index which is an exponential uh, which is an exponential uh, um, uh, index and the number of citations they were not defining how good I was as a scientist maybe they were they were defining how well received was uh, a research and everything but just they were not actually defining there was some this kind of stuff just they, they they didn't say they didn't say I'm good as a scientist and the idea that citations will actually define you as a scientist should be completely abandoned and this is why but of course, right now is the only way you can actually prove that you are a good scientist, because of course it involves also communicating your work, it, 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 spreading your knowledge. Let's see how many people just use this uh, use this uh, work. But many citation, for example, if if it's a really great paper that sets the uh, uh, anecd for for the first time uh, an original example of the using of materials maybe that's this kind of uh, uh say that just we say the first paragraph citations this paper have, have received a lot of first paragraph citation in the first paragraph you cite you know uh, this xyz uh, materials has been applied for citations you know, and if you collect a lot of first paragraph citation, it is indeed OK, but just they are not using your concept in their work. They are using you as an example of between other examples. So also the quality of citation, where have you, where in the other paper have you, have you been cited? All of these nuances are not, uh, uh, you know, photographed in, the, in the, you cannot see that in the uh, in, in this really uh, poor number, which is h-index impact factor or number that's, of that's, that's
1: really a, a great way of sort of debunking these numbers, <laughs> I, I like that, uh, especially, especially your example of yourself, where you say, you know, I'm not publishing, and yet <laughs> people might look into Google Scholar and think, wow, you know, man, Cristiano is really doing some cool things. I
0: mean, I was not I was not selling meats really, really well, but just, you know, it's, it's, kind of, right, it's, right. So it's not it's, it's not like really this. a snapshot
1: of what's happening. And also, very importantly, which which, which gets um, close covered certainly in, in, in um, studies of science of sciences is the quality of different citations, um, because this is this is very true. Right. There are those first paragraph citations, which which just mount up for certain works and, and others don't get that much um, attention. And yet, I wonder if it's not worth pursuing just um, a bit. Though this idea that, do you see a way that we could think as an author, right, about the way that you communicate your research beyond merely getting it out into the public? Because, I mean... On the one hand, you have, let's say, the rigorous process that it would need to go through to get into nature communications with the review and also the, select, the selectiveness for making it fit also into the journal and making it speak to that particular community. But whether or not it's been listened to, this this is the thing that interests me. Because um, as my listeners will know, I I, I help scientists write and I, I I try to make for them a distinction between hey communicating something so that it let's say passes muster as opposed to communicating something
0: so that it really has reached people's ears i mean um here it's kind of uh, complicated because of course if you want in 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 the, in today's world you know just you need to be able to write compelling stories you know just storytelling storytelling here storytelling there you know just it's nice of course because storytelling talks to your emotions and so you're getting involved emotionally to what you read and, and so, and so on and so forth. Uh, and I'm actually really, really, uh, um, fun, you know, just, I'm, I'm really pro to just storytelling and, and how it works to, to, uh, transfer some concept. The problem is like right now, uh, uh people are actually, uh, trying to, uh, uh, from from the perspective from my perspective as an editor that i read i read like more more or less 500 papers new submissions not counting all of the papers that they do for due diligence 500 papers per year um i see that not not all of them but just many of them are actually trying to create narratives behind and you know, just create good narratives and, and everything to, to, to sell the work better and everything, which is okay, but you, we need to focus on results. You know, just what do you want to do with this paper? Which is the, uh, the reason why you are publishing? It? The reason why you're publishing is to, uh, amaliate the editors or the reason why you're publishing is to transfer a concept to your fellow scientists. And if you if you want really to transfer a concept to your fellow to you to your uh, to, to your colleague that is not working probably is working to another part of the world, you need to structure your narrative in a way that just they uh, they will actually be receptive and it, it, useful for them, not useful for the narrative of uh, of of a journal. Then, if some results as a narrative, because because they are really novel they are really new they are really innovative which is fine you know just it's important to 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 stress this narrative i'm not telling that narrative it's 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 not good for for papers but then i, I actually would like to challenge the, the people who write papers uh to 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 think about which which is the the final goal of my paper um 30 40 years ago um writing papers was you know i have my community i write this paper for my community right now i write this paper for publishing something and getting and getting a citation and getting a scholarship so we should come back to the real value and to the real meaning of writing a paper why do i write a paper to to tell a story or to to to, to uh, Transfer some concept to someone else who's working in the same top in in the same field as my uh, as me. So, and sometimes it's it's fine, you know. Just uh, but sometimes it's really difficult for us as editors to disentangle uh, the story that is really nice, you know. Just sometimes there are really good motivations between behind the stories, but then you you just try to scratch the surface and you go to the actual results. And this is actually maybe just you realize that there are only incremental results. They are not actually really doing what you want to do for this. For this, precise. I'm talking about niche communications. So it's a selective journal that looks at novelty, that looks at advantages, that want practical applications, that want mm-hmm. practical applicability, either conceptual or experimental. Not we don't have, we don't, we don't need a device every time. You know, just what I, what I would say, you know, and. So just you have to scratch the surface and go there just and try to find the, the which is the value of the results. And sometimes it time, it's, it's time-consuming for us editors. It's time-consuming for the authors, and it's actually. Uh, bring to losing uh, the real meaning of writing a paper. This is wonderful opinion.
1: because I mean, what you're saying is, uh, if if we look on the the author end, because we're on the author end now, it's it's kind of the counterpart to what you were saying earlier about reviewers, where they just give the opinion and don't quite say why. Right. And in the case of the and in case of the authors, we have the problem and and, and, we, and and we kind of agreed, well, that's just a waste of everyone's time. So it's unfortunate. Well, another waste of people's time on the end of the author would be this. Hey, I've got this cool thing, but this is what I really have. You know, I mean, this this portraying things is cool somehow. Right. This interpreting before you actually, let's say, say, tell us exactly what it is that you have can can actually be detrimental i mean this 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 is good because i mean i do find that narrative gets spoken about uh, very often in circles of uh, authors who are trying to publish in a way that 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 kind of confuses me it makes me wonder you know have they disconnected between what they were doing in the lab as to what it is that they're talking about
0: yeah, I'm yeah. actually not going to be wrong, narrative is also important for for the community to, to grow. You know, just um, we we have um, this kind of technological advances because someone, some somewhere in the past, are, we're actually building narrative about some work. So just uh, the, the the possibility for the humankind to think and to create hypothet- hypothetical uh, scenario, so building narrative around it. You not know, just it's important for, the, for for the science to to grow and to develop, but the the over exploiting uh, exploitation, the over exploitation of um, of narrative, just to reach a goal that is not actually the goal of Want I want to share my knowledge? This could be detrimental, of course. Every time in in life, everything is life, and uh, and it's 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 a balance. So if we in this in this, I would say like just past ten years, fifteen years, I don't know. It's uh, I'm also very young you know just i've been in the in the um in, in this sector since five ten years so just there are many more people more experienced than me but just i could say for my lifespan it was like it's it's growing and growing and growing the, the, the importance of narrative which is important but it's not everything this is what what i wanted to just keep
1: uh, as yeah, a yeah no, for sure, a and, I, and I understood that. And I think what is interesting is is that it's about sort of reconnecting the research to the communication, um, which is really what happens when you downplay the narrative to its level where it needs to be, instead of upplaying it to a level where it's actually taking things over. Well. Thank, thank you very much for that, uh, Cristiano. That is uh, Cristiano Matricardi. And thanks to you too, my listeners. So bye-bye. And until next time here on Scholarly Communication.